severance questions, employment questions, we covered all. And uh, Lior at employmenthour.com. And as always, his personal number ready to answer uh, when he's not here. Basically, call him in the middle of the night when he's sleeping. That's what I do. 416-216-5900. <laughs> How are you doing, pal? On behalf of my family, thank you for that, John. <laughs> yes, I appreciate that. Welcome. Yes, thank you very much. How, uh, how was this week? Well, good, John. Oh, we, good week here and uh, nice weather. So that, that always puts me in a good mood. Mm-hmm. But uh, that doesn't stop the phone from ringing. And when I don't want it to stop ringing. So let me tell you about a couple of situations that I... Uh, address this week and I always like to start off the show I want to talk uh, about some real life situations so that people know uh, that you know there's hope out there if you're in that situation things can be, be resolved and all you need to do is pick up the phone in most cases so uh, the first situation Don has uh, uh, John has to do with independent contractors we've talked a lot about oh, independent yeah, contractors uh, and that oftentimes they're really employees. In many situations, people call themselves independent contractors, uh, but in the eyes of the law, they're really employees. Remember, the title that you give yourself is not really relevant. It is a question of substance over form. So in the first matter I'm telling you about, uh, this individual had worked for some five years as an independent contractor, but he really was an employee in the eyes of the law because he worked exclusively for the company, he worked full-time for them, and he worked out of their office. Uh, but fine. After five years, the employer decided to actually make this person a formal employee and uh, agreed to actually uh, transition them. So from now on, we're going to put you on our payroll. We're going to deduct taxes. You're going to be a formal employee. Fine. Well, fast forward three years. That person is now being let go. And the employer says, OK, I'm letting go for restructuring. Of course, I owe you severance. Based on three years. Right. But you're a three-year employee, so your severance is going to be based on that. Negative. But wait a second. No, of <laughs> course not. If he was an employee all along, he's now an eight-year employee. And the severance for an eight-year employee is going to be a heck of a lot more than it is for a three-year employee. So, so that matter uh, had to be uh, you know, fought a bit, and we had to start a claim for wrongful dismissal. But it resolved this past week on excellent terms, and, and the person did get the full severance that he's owed. So uh, what, what's the lesson here? The lesson here, remember, this distinction between employee and independent contractor is a live one. It's not a matter of what the contract says, what you call yourself, what someone else calls you. What your business card says. Right. It doesn't matter. A business card can be printed easily. A name can be uh, anything. It's really a question of substance over form. When are you uh, an independent contractor? You're only an independent contractor if you're really in business for yourself. You have several clients, potentially. You set your own hours. You set your own compensation. uh, You pay for your own expenses. You have a lot more flexibility than an employee would. So that's the first case. Very important. Let me tell you about the second case, because this one really uh, is one that made me uh, put, put me in a good mood. I'm, I'm strange that way. So an individual. <laughs> Thanks, John. I appreciate that. Uh, this individual had actually called me about a severance, like many people do. Yep. He had been given 10 months of severance. I assessed him as being entitled to about 14 months. Now, as we're discussing that, I'm asking him all kinds of standard questions that I always do. What kind of hours did you work? How did you get paid? What exactly did you do? In doing that, I, realized, I, I found out that this person had a regular work week of 56 hours. Wow. He worked 56 hours every week without exception. That was his regular uh, hours. Mm-hmm. Well, my next question, of course, is, well, did you get paid overtime? He did not. He did not get paid overtime ever, had no idea that he's uh, entitled to it. Remember, John, overtime is paid for a, a time and a half for any hours worked more than 44 hours a week. This person had no idea he's entitled to overtime. Well, I grabbed my calculator, I did some quick math, and over the previous two years, he was owed over $40,000. Oh, my God. 40, 
thousand dollars four zero in terms of overtime and by the way that was a lot more than the extra severance that that he was owed it's a second salary it's huge yeah and and by the way the only reason why we could only go back two years is because there's a two-year limitation period had we been able to go back five or six years can you imagine how much money that would be so uh this person uh, in fact we're going to be able to get his uh not only his severance but his overtime this just happened this week I'll, I'll update you on this matter in future Absolutely. shows, but I'd be very surprised if this takes more than two to three weeks to resolve. So what's the lesson? The first lesson, by the way, is listen to the show, because yep. if he had listened to the show, he would have known he's owed overtime. He potentially could have dealt with it uh, earlier. Second, get legal advice if you lose your job uh, if the, or if there's another dispute with your employer. You may find out that your entitlements are a lot more than you realized. We'll take uh, one quick call before the break. Uh, to Graham and Milton. Hi, Graham. Welcome to the show. Uh, hi, this is uh, Graham. Am I speaking with Lior or John? Lior. Oh, hi. both, actually. Both of us. Yeah, Lior's got the knowledge. Right. I just sit here. Two pro- for the yeah. price of one. Okay, I have an employment-related human rights case with the Ontario Human Rights Tribunal. I won the case by default at this time, but they've done everything incredibly according to the HRTO. If the def- I'm going to put you on hold, Graham, just to get a better line. I'm not sure where he's uh, calling from, but uh, we'll take a short break. Hopefully, we can get Graham back on a clear line. Give us a call here in the employment hour. And as always, Lior's number is 416 216 5900. We'll be back with more right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. We'll take another uh, kick at the can with Graham. Hi, Graham, you're back. How are you? I am back, and uh, can you hear me clearly this time? Uh, Better so far. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, great. Anyway, uh, back to my story. Um, I was uh, talking about HRTO. Um, If the defendant fails to respond by a deadline, I should win. But uh, the HRTO gave the defendant a second chance without being asked by her. Then uh, she didn't submit a complete respondent's form, but the HRTO accepted the invalid form. Finally... Well, her response form should be thrown out. That's uh, according to the rules I understand. I should have a default judgment by now. I just need a good lawyer to help me cut this deal. Uh, you know, it's not that simple, Graham. I mean, the, the, the Human Rights Tribunal, uh, especially, but the courts as well, do believe in uh, allowing people to have their, their day in court, their, their uh, matter to be heard. So oftentimes, as I say, uh, it's a matter of substance over form. So there, there is uh, flexibility and discretion in the Human Rights Tribunal to allow a party to, uh, to bend the rules sometimes uh, as long as they're not showing a clear intention not to participate. So I, I don't know enough to say whether your situation has gone so bad that, that it allows you to, uh, to act as if there was no response filed. In my experience, it's very, very difficult to do that. Uh, so in my sense, is you're probably better off just litigating this as against the other side rather than trying to, to win on technicalities. Technicalities are more often successful in court than they are at the Human Rights Tribunal. All right, so this would be your experience. That, that is my experience, absolutely. Frank in Toronto, welcome to the show, Frank. Hey, good, hey, good afternoon. Lior, you raised that example about the employee who lost all, all that overtime and that uh, you were successful in getting uh, or looking at getting him um, recouping that lost overtime over a period of, uh, what was it, a few years? Back two years. Two years, yeah. What would be the case, Lior, in the circumstances if, if the employee knew that um, you know, he was entitled to the overtime, didn't protest that to the employer, and actually remain silent about it, would that employee not have uh, acquiesced over time? And it would be difficult then subsequent to that to argue and, and to make a claim for overtime? 
Actually, no, because it would contravene the Employment Standards Act, and one cannot contract out of the Employment Standards Act, Frank. So even if the employee says, guess what, employer, I don't want you to pay me overtime. I'm happy to work without overtime. Just work me as much as you want. And then a year later, two years later, the employee changes their mind and they want their overtime back two years. They can do that because you cannot contract out of the Employment Standards Act. Just hope they realize and get on top of it like he did, right? Absolutely. Got Mark and Branton. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm just calling. I'm just calling on behalf of my friend. Yeah, he was working. He's working for this company over 15 years, and he went and modified duty like uh, two years ago. Yep. And they just came to him a couple of weeks ago, telling him um, there's no more modified duty. They can't accommodate him. Okay. They're gonna, re- they're gonna retrain him. So he's just wondering if he's gonna get paid for that retraining. Which I told him, so far I think you're gonna get paid and supposed to get the same money you're getting now or more. Can't be less, right? Well, there's a few things here, uh, Mark. The first question is whether or not, in fact, the company does have modified duties, but they just decide not to provide it to him. If they are able to continue to accommodate him with modified duties, they may have the obligation to do that. It's not enough for them to say, well, from now on, there isn't any modified duties. But assuming there there isn't and they're willing to retrain, yes, it's yeah. the, the retraining is at the company's expense. Uh, but ultimately, the, the the idea is to try to get him a job is similar to the one that he had before. It does not necessarily have to be at the exact same pay. In, in some situations, it may be less if that's the only thing the company can provide for him or, or can find. So in other words, we can only retrain you for job X and job X pays you less than job Y. Then they, he can potentially make less uh, money than, than he made before. Uh, it comes down to what's available and how reasonable is the company in in its efforts. Uh, okay, okay. Because I was on the assumption that me, that um, they can't pay you less than what you're getting before. But well, you say they can, right? If it's significantly less, then this may be a case of constructive dismissal. If they now reduce his pay in a significant way, but uh, short of that, it could be uh, it could be less if that's the only thing that's available legitimately. Yes, I was going to ask you that. Can can it be a constructive dismissal if they really whacked his salary, say in half? Yes, absolutely. So if they reduce his pay from seventeen dollars an hour to sixteen dollars an hour, that wouldn't be a constructive right. dismissal. If they reduce it to twelve dollars an hour, it probably could. Wow. So yeah, it, it does depend on the magnitude of the change. And remember, what is a constructive dismissal? A, con- a constructive dismissal, in essence, is a termination that happens as a result of a significant change to the terms of employment that allows an employee to leave and still get his or her severance. Lior at employmenthour.com. I want to get back to some uh, some basics of termination severance. Uh, do you have to work for a minimum amount of time before you're entitled to any severance at all? And, you know, why, why am I raising this again? Because we've talked about this on the show, but I've gotten uh, two emails this weekend alone with people saying, well, I only work for the company for uh, two years or one year or two months, whatever it is. Uh, and so given that short period of time, I'm told I'm not owed severance. So, so let's clarify that. No, there's no minimum to get severance. There isn't. So even an employee after working for a month is entitled to severance. The, people believe that there's this thing of three months and the first three months you don't get severance. Not true. You always get severance. One exception. Mm-hmm. The exception is if you signed a contract that says two things. Number one, it says that in the first three months are probationary. Number two, it says that in the first three months, we can let you go without severance. So if you say, sign the contract that says for three months you don't get severance, that's okay. You don't get severance. 
Otherwise, you do always, there's no minimum, and, and the entitlements are based on age, length of employment, and position. And by the way, we talk about these short service employees. In many cases, if you're older or you have a senior position, the amount of severance, even after two, three, or six months of employment, could be significant. I've had cases where a person is owed six months severance after only working for a company for three or four months. They know. So, uh, so there's no minimum. We'll take a short break and back into the bread and butter of termination severance. You don't want to miss this. Lots more of the employment hour coming up on AM640 and AM900 CHML. And your other option is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com to talk to Lior. I get to uh, Harold and Vaughn. Harold, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, a great show, by the way. I like. I love listening to the show. Thanks, pal. Uh, here's my problem. I worked for a company for four years. Uh, I went on short-term disability. Uh, at the end of the short-term disability, they denied long-term disability, even though I'm still in a lot of pain and unable to work regularly. Yep. And now I've got a severance letter saying uh. that they reorganized and uh, and basically disbanded the department I worked in. Do you know if that's true, in fact? Do you know if, uh, if they really did disband the department? Uh, well, I don't have firsthand knowledge of it, but okay. it, it's sort of not unusual. I, I'd expect something like that. Okay. So two things. Let's talk about the disability first and then talk about the severance. First okay. of all, uh, on the disability front, uh, if in fact your doctors tell you you're not able to work, if the doctors say that you have a condition that prevents you from working, you would otherwise qualify for disability insurance. It's not uncommon for an insurance company to try to uh, to deny uh, that's what uh, you know, insurance and, the, and, and disability okay. lawyers are for. So yep. by all means, give me a call. Uh, I have three uh, lawyers in my office that deal exclusively in disability and insurance matters, so we can certainly help you with that. Uh, these things can us- usually resolve very quickly. Oftentimes, just a letter from a lawyer is going to give the insurance company a bit of a kick in the pants. Okay. So, so, so that's issue number one. Give me a call and we can address it. The second issue, severance. If, in fact, the, the department has disbanded, so in other words, this is not something that they're doing to you because you're on disability, right. then the termination itself is legal, and it's a question of how much severance. So right. you've been there for four years. Uh, what position do you have, Harold? It was uh, uh, basically a technical position, uh, underwriting. Okay, underwriting. And how old are you currently, Harold? 42. Okay. So someone in your situation easily gets six months severance. Could be as much as eight months. Uh, Certainly if you have a medical condition that makes it harder, it could be eight or even nine months. Uh, So that includes your salary. That includes your benefits. That includes any bonuses you would have received. What what were you offered? Uh, 21 weeks. 21 weeks, that's, call it five months. So it's it's just shy of, of the low end of the range, and the low end being six months, six to eight, six to nine is the range for you. So right. this can be improved. Uh, and the fact that you're you're not still at optimal health, the fact that you're still not necessarily able to go out there and get another job right away because you're still uh, on, on disability or, or sick, that actually increases the amount of severance that you're owed. So what I propose, Harold, this should be fairly easy to resolve, at least on the severance front. Uh, give me a call as well. We can talk about that, and I can hopefully help you increase the severance by a couple of months at least. Okay, that's great. The number, Harold, is 416-216-5900. Get back to the, uh, the brass tax of uh, severance termination we talked about, uh, you know, minimum amount until you're entitled for severance. How about the size of the company? Does that matter? <laughs> yeah, uh, another huge, huge misconception. Mm-hmm. And uh, this misconception applies to employers too, not just employees. A lot of employers also believe that because they're a smaller company, because they're a, 
smaller uh, payroll. Yep. They're not unta- not required to pay severance. In fact, I had a call the other day. We have uh, I have uh, these promos running on AM640. It says that every employee is entitled to severance. Mm-hmm. So I had a, an HR manager from a company uh, call me and say, well, Lior, I, I keep hearing these promos of yours. But I'm very upset by them because it's wrong. Not every employee is entitled to severance. It's only you only get severance if you work for a company with a large payroll at more than two and a half million. Yeah, for example, no I, she says, I, I am the HR manager in my company. We have a payroll of two million, so we don't have to pay severance. So, so your promos are wrong. You should change them. Malarkey. Well, no, wrong, wrong, wrong. And I, I was hopefully able to set her straight in the sense that every employee is entitled to severance unless they're let go for cause, of course. Uh, regardless of the size of the company, regardless of the size of the payroll. So you may work for a huge multinational company with thousands of employees, and you're going to get the exact same severance as if you work for a company with two employees, as long as your age, position, and length of employment are the same. So the size of the company is irrelevant. Why is this misconception exist? Why do people believe that the size of the payroll is relevant? Is because with respect to your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, the size of the company does matter. Okay. But forget about that. Your minimum entitlements Entitlements are such a, a small portion of your full entitlements that it's not really it's not relevant. Your full entitlements are going to be exactly the same regardless of the size of the company. So uh, don't believe anyone that tells you, well, uh, you know, John, you work for a company with only 18 employees. It's a very small company. They let you go. They don't have to pay you severance. Not true. They must pay severance. This might sound obvious. Let me throw this by you, though. If, um some employees work under contract. We've had them call through with a fixed end date. Now, do these people get severance when the end date ends, the contract, or do they just walk away? Yeah, no, great question. Uh, and, and we do have this call, uh, come up, and I have calls uh, to my own uh, personal line all the time about this issue. So if you're in a fixed-term contract, what, uh, what the fixed term does is you effectively you know on the day you start when your end date is going to be. So mm-hmm. you've received notice. So if it's a one-year contract, you've received one year's notice. If it's a six-month contract, uh, six months notice. So if the contract is actually uh, being uh, continued till the end, if it ends as per the contract, then you're not entitled to any severance. You're not entitled to any additional compensation. Uh, everyone just walks away. So, so that's straightforward. Where it gets more interesting is if the company ends the contract sooner. So we have a one-year contract, uh, but we end the contract after six months. Well, what happens then? Well, the rule is if a fixed-term contract, a contract with a fixed end date, ends early, the employer has to pay out the balance Mm -hmm. of the contract. So if you have a a 12-month contract, it ends after six months, the employer has to pay for the following six months. The exception to that is a situation where the contract itself provides for a different formula. So it says, if we want to end the contract sooner, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay you X. Three months. Three months, two months, six months, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So if the contract itself gives the employer an early exit type of an opportunity, then that governs. If it's silent on the early exit, the employer has to pay out the balance of the contract. Take a short break. They got severance questions, termination questions. You can also get Lior through email, Lior at employmenthour.com. And as always, his private number, 416-216-5900. Got a good question for you coming up. This is one I'm sure you get in your office about 10 times a day. We'll get to that here on the Employment Hour on AM640 and AM900 CHML. You can also call Lior directly at 416-216-5900 and Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Got more questions coming up here and uh, phone calls as well. Got uh, Diane in Oakville. Hello, Diane. Hello there. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How oh, are you? Good. Go ahead. You got a question for Lior? I do have a question. I was working for a company uh, for over two years, and they eliminated my my job. Okay. And 
and they gave me two weeks severance pay. Okay. And Diane, uh, what was the job? What did you do? The job, I was an assistant manager of a retail store. Okay. And how old are you, Diane? I am 52 at that time. Okay. So, uh, and, and uh, the, the question of how much severance is based on three main factors, as, as you probably know, the length of your employment, your age, and your position. In your situation, you'd be looking at anywhere from four to six months of, of severance that you'd be owed. Uh, they paid you two weeks. That's a huge, huge difference. The only possibility that they could pay you two weeks or, or less than what I told you is if they signed, if you had signed a contract of employment when you first started two years ago that explicitly limited your entitlements. And even then, it's not likely that it, that it would be good enough to limit you properly. So no, two weeks for you, Diane, is not even close. Uh, in, anywhere from that four to six months is what they're, they're, they owe you. That's the bad news. The good news is that this should be fairly easy to resolve. So what I propose is that you give me a call uh, and we can easily look after this and get it resolved. Oh, that sounds great. Um, if you can wait just one second, I'll get a... A pen? You got it. Yeah. So, you know, that's a fairly common situation. It was less see. than two years, right? Yeah. Less than two years ago for Diane, to make sure, right? Yeah, no, she worked for two years. She, oh, okay. she just recently was, okay. uh, position was eliminated. So, yeah, that's a, a fairly common no. situation. You got a pen on you, Diane? Yes, I just want to be clear. Mm-hmm. It was about two years ago that this happened. Ah, that's I'm sorry. Okay. So, uh, when, when do, you, do you remember the month? The month was September. September 2012? In 2012, yeah. Th- then you're fine, you're luckily, yeah, because yeah. uh, there's a two-year limitation period, but in your case, because uh, it, was, uh, it was less than that, you're more than fine. So, so here's the number, Diane. It's 416-216-5900. Yeah, Four one six two one six five nine zero zero fifty nine hundred. And your name, please. Lior, L I O R. I O R. Thank you so much for right. your help. Thanks, we'll Diane. Be- Give him a call, please. Do it'll be the best call you make. See, I asked. I know. I've been doing this long enough. That's son. right. That's right. Next week, I'll take the week off. I'm not needed here. Obviously, yeah, let's, uh. let's, let's not go that far. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about negotiating severance. I'm sure you get this all the time. People get a severance package and they go, you know what? I don't think it's. I don't think it's up to snuff, but. I'm scared that if I go into my big bag employer, I'm going to lose the whole thing if I say this is enough, yeah. let's negotiate, right? What happens? Not only is this the most common question that I get, this is also the most common reason in my experience as to why people don't bother getting legal scared. advice. They're scared. Yep. And they have this amount of money, amount of severance that's being offered to them, and they're scared to death that if they do something about it, if they don't accept it immediately, they'll lose it. So I want to clarify that. I, I talk to people about this all the time. What I'm about to say, I say five times a day, every single day. You do not lose what you've been offered. You're not taking a risk by, first of all, getting legal advice. Number two, pursuing your full entitlements. Uh, you don't lose what's been offered to you. The only time an offer uh, you may, may be uh, lost or withdrawn if the, is if the employer is offering you a lot more severance be, than they're supposed to, in which case you want to accept it before they change their mind. I've been doing this for 12 years. I've yet to see a severance yeah. offer that's better right. than what it needs to be. It's not an issue. You will not lose it. Uh, it's uh, The deadline in your letter, every employee has a severance letter that says you have to accept this by a certain date, You know, Friday at 5 o'clock. That deadline means nothing, okay? Nothing happens if you don't accept it by then. So please don't be concerned about that. I, I, I promise you, you will not lose anything. 
then what you could be doing, in fact, by accepting this, you could losing be money. losing tens of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars that you're otherwise entitled to have, which would not be actually difficult to recover. So that's not a consideration. You're not going to lose anything. Someone, you know, sometimes you get a sixth sense when you're working at a place long enough that, you know, just the way their attitude, people around you, possibly the boss, the way you're being treated. You might, you got an idea you're about to lose your job. Is there something you do to be prepared for it? Yeah, and, you know, what you just said are always good signs. You know, someone's not talking to you anymore. They canceled meetings that you had. Or, you know, maybe someone is, uh, you know, uh, not talking to the way they they used to be. So those are all good signs you may lose your job. What you want to have in order is a few few things if you're going to lose your job. Number one, you want to make sure you have copies of your contract of employment that you signed. Because we're going to need to take a look at that when the time comes. So any job offer, contract of employment, get a copy of that right now. Uh, the other thing you want to make sure, of course, is if there's allegations against you, performance allegations, you think they're gonna, the employer's going to let you go for a cause, you want to have whatever information you need to respond. So if there's any documents there, any material that's available in the workplace that could potentially help to show that the allegations are not true, they're not fair, be it correspondence or anything else, you need to have a copy of that mm-hmm. because it's going to be extremely difficult to get that once they walk you out of the office and now you're at home and saying, well, I had this piece of paper on my desk that helped me a lot, but how do I get it? Uh, I've had situations like that happen quite often. So you want to be able to address any allegations against you. That's number one. But number two, as as I said, probably the most important thing, you want to have a copy of your contract of employment job offer letter handy. Uh, And ultimately, there's nothing that can be done to prevent an employer from terminating employment. A lot of people call me because they think they're going to be let go and they want to know, what do I do? I I have a feeling there's a meeting set up for next Monday and I think that's when they're going to let me go. What should I do? Should I call in sick? Should I get a doctor's note? There's really no point. Uh, the employer, if the employer is going to terminate, the employer is going to terminate. There's nothing you can do. And going off on a disability leave doesn't do anything. Maybe delays it by a, a day or two or a week until you come back. But it's not going to change the outcome. Uh, you have to be prepared for it. And then it becomes a question of severance. Did you get what you owed? And unfortunately, John, and I've said this a, a thousand times, nine out of ten people do not get proper severance. And like you've always said, just be diligent with keeping all correspondence with your boss about things you might have or might have not done, things they blame you for, all that stuff. Keep, Absolutely. keep records. Keep right? records and have those records accessible. A lot of people are saying, well, I had records, but they were on my work computer. No. Well, that doesn't no do you any good if you're walked out of the building. It's called a USB key. Uh, we'll take a short break. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And you can email Lior anytime, Lior at employmenthour.com and his personal number, 416-216-5900. We'll go right to uh, Brian in Toronto. Hi, Brian. Hi, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm a a small business owner and um, I am an employer. And my work is to take a contract for, it could be one month, two months, or a year or two years, depending on the time uh, the contract being given. But once the contract is cancelled, you know, I don't pay the severance. How it works for an employer like me? So you hire people on for a month or two months or three months at a time? Yeah, just a casual. Like a, It's like a casual. When the contract is over, it's over because I don't have uh, office and to continue hiring people them pay. Right. Okay. So uh, here's the, the, the short answer here, uh, Brian, is if you hire an employee, if they're your employees for even a month or two or three, 
uh, they may be owed severance. The only way to avoid that is to have a, a contract that says, I'm hiring you for a month or two months or three months. So have a fixed date. And then as long as they, uh, they work till the end of the contract, at the end of it, you don't owe them severance. Otherwise, you would owe an employee severance. So to minimize any exposure, you do want to have a contract of employment that allows you to terminate on the basis of, of the minimum amount of payment. So, for example, you can have a contract with an employee that says in the first, if, if I end the relationship after three months or within three months, I don't have to pay you anything. So that will allow you a three-month period to, to let someone go without any compensation. But uh, you are exposed. If, certainly if you have employees that work for you for six months or a year, these people are going to be owed severance. Uh, and the best way to minimize that exposure, potentially eliminate it, is with the contract. So what I propose, Brian, is, uh, first of all, never ever hire someone without them signing a written document that talks about the issue of, of the length of their employment. Give me a call. I can help you put these documents together. They're very, very simple. Uh, and and you, sh- you need to use that. That's the only way to uh, avoid liability. Okay, that would that would be good. Thank you so much. And then it's uh, your number is I heard that four one six two one six fifty nine hundred. Fifty nine hundred. You got it. That's right. Thanks, good call, Brian. Brian. Thanks. Now, if they, he's okay if they fulfill the contract. If you hire them for a month, they work for a month, they're gone. That's perfectly right? fine. But they have yeah. to sign something that says you're only working for a month. Right. That could be in uh, some hot water. Got uh, Lenore in Stoville. Hello there. Hi. Hi. How are you? You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. Yes. Um, I worked for a company for thirteen years, right? So. Um, they just have. They gave me a notice of termination, saying that uh, your work is no longer needed. Then the question was, uh, they have given me. Okay, they have given me letter saying in October. Yeah. And then um, said you can only work until the end of December. So they gave you maybe two months' notice. No, it's actually it's not two months. It's from. October, November, December, right? Three months. Three months, okay. So they gave you three months' notice, and then did they pay you severance at the end? No, they gave me actually for 13 weeks severance, and they gave me my three weeks vacation. I understand. I worked there for 13 years. Got it. So, uh, but no reason. They, they just had let me go with no reason. So I understand. No reason why letting you go. Yeah, they no. can do that. That's not the issue. Now, uh, Lenora, what was your job there? What did you do? Accounting administrator. Okay. And approximately how old are you, Lenora? I'm 47. 47, okay. So first of all, they are allowed to let you go, uh, unfortunately, as long as they give you proper compensation, proper severance. Even though there's probably no good reason and you didn't do anything wrong, they're allowed to let you go. But in your situation, you have not received proper severance. So they have gave you three months' notice plus an additional 13 weeks. So to- the, the three months' notice does count towards your severance. So three months' notice plus another three months' pay, that's six months' total severance that they gave you, a combination. Someone in your situation would easily be owed a year, as much as uh, 15 months of, wow. of severance. So it's double, probably a bit more than double than what you've received. Now, unless you sign something uh, that says that's all I'm going to get and I, I agree not to take any more, then they owe you additional compensation. Did you sign anything? Yeah, I signed saying that, yes, um, I have received the letter that they will give me uh, whatever compensation I should get. Okay, well, I'd want to see what you actually signed. If it's just an acknowledgement that you received it, that's not a problem. If it contains a release, for example, that says, if I accept this, I agree that I'm not owed anything else ever again, then you may not be able to do anything. But I can't tell you, Lenora, you're owed a lot more compensation than an extra 13 weeks pay. 
So you need to call me. You probably want to call me as soon as possible yeah. uh, at, at the office. And uh, that number is uh, 416-216-15900. But, Leo, I already got a job. Actually, what happened was when they, when they gave me a notice of uh, termination, I looked for a job. And uh, right after I lost my job, I actually got a job right away. And I'm working right now. So okay. I said to myself, okay. No, she's still okay. low, no? Well, if you if you got another job, you would have done what we call mitigated your damages. That could significantly reduce what you're owed. Still, give me a call. Let's see. Uh, let, let's do some math, and let's depending on when exactly you started the compensation level with the new job, you may be owed more. So, give me a call, and we'll look at that together. Again, Lenore, the number is four one six two one six fifty nine hundred. So that's interesting. Got another job, but she's still probably owed something. She oh yeah, no, for sure she right. is. She owed very little. Uh, we're getting back to the uh, basics of termination severance. Um, Lump sum or paid out, say like your salary was over the uh, over the course of your termination period. What's better? Could you have a choice? Can you can you manipulate your employer or former employer for that? Yeah. Well, usually the employer would pick a way to pay severance. So it would be outlined in the termination letter that it would provide either for a lump sum payment. So mm-hmm. here's one check worth whatever the amount is we're paying you, and off you go. Or by way of salary continuation. The reason why salary continuation may not be as favorable to the employee. Because usually it also contains a term that says, if you find another job employee, while we're still paying you this salary continuation, we'll cut you off and give you half of what's outstanding. So obviously a lump sum payment is better for the employee because there's no strings attached and you get to keep the payment if you find another job. Now, both are uh, technically speaking legal, but it's usually a negotiable point. So in many, many cases, we're able to negotiate a lump sum payment or for the payment to be guaranteed. So just because you're, you're looking at a severance letter that says, uh, we're going to pay you by salary continuation and cut, cut you off if you find another job, that does not mean that that cannot be changed. In most cases, it can be. Uh, it, it's, all, it's all a negotiable point. Not only is it negotiable how much severance, but the manner, the way right. in which you'll get paid is negotiable as well. Want to give us a call? And uh, discuss what's in front of you. Possibly, maybe it's on the horizon. You'll want to get your ducks in a row, and he's the guy to talk to, Leo, right here in the Employment Hour. We'll take a short break. Give us a call. More of it coming up on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Questions outside of show hours, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com, and Lior's personal cell phone, 416-216-5900. You're part of a uh, company that's gone through maybe a bit of restructuring. A lot of people have been let go. Um, other employees said they got uh, severance equal to, I don't know, two weeks for every year. Do I get the same thing? Are we all all the same or no? No, and, and, and a lot of people uh, call me saying, well, you know, Bob got uh, this amount when he was let go. Why am I not getting as much? Or, uh, you know, why should he get uh, less than me? Or You know what I mean? They're comparing the two. So, no, the, what the company did with another employee is not really relevant. The company may have been extremely generous with another employee or extremely stingy with another mm-hmm. employee. It doesn't change what the company company owes you as if you're let go. Remember, your entitlements are based on three factors, age, position, length of employment. So that formula gives us a result as to how much severance. What the company did with someone else is irrelevant. Uh, I had a situation uh, a couple of years ago with a, a company where they let go of a lot of people. They underpaid all of them. Uh, my client, my, the one person I acted for, we, we worked on negotiating uh, proper severance. And the company representative calls me back and says, well, wait a second, Lior. 
we let go 10 other people, not just your client, and pay them the same amount of severance. None of them complained. So why is your, your client complaining? Snooze you lose. So huh? I said, well, wait a second. You're saying because you got away with murder with 10 people, <laughs> you, you were upset you didn't get away with murder with 11? I mean, it's nonsense. So no, what uh, a company pays another employee is not relevant. You have to make sure that you yourself got your full entitlements, regardless of what happened with anyone else. I want to bounce over to a couple emails we got uh, during the show here. And this, this has something to do with what we'll wrap with at the end of the show. Got to, uh, one from Bill Mississauga says, I've used your severance calculator, which we're going to talk about. Uh, it told me that I'm entitled to 12 months of severance. Employment Standard Act says eight weeks. Is there a bug with your severance calculator, Lior? Is it faulty? It's not faulty. All right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but, but uh, all jokes aside, that is an actually really, really good question because uh, if you use a severance calculator, we'll talk about it more in a second, it's going to give you an amount that you're owed. But if you call the Ministry of Labor or you go on the Ministry of Labor website, you're going to get a completely different number. Why the discrepancy? The discrepancy is because the Ministry of Labor only gives information with respect to a person's minimum, bare minimum entitlements, not a person's full entitlements. Mm-hmm. Every employee has entitlements above and beyond those minimums, and that's what the severance calculator provides. It calculates how much your full severance entitlements are. The only way to find out is with a calculator, not uh, through the Ministry of Labor, not through the Employment Standards Act. I want to talk about the severance calculator just for a moment here before we take one final phone call. Give us the brag. Yeah, the so the tax. severance calculator, as I've just alluded to, uh, provides, calculates how much severance an employee is entitled to receive if the employee loses his or her job. So you enter you, the length of your employment, your age and your position, and it tells you how many weeks or months pay you're owed. It also can calculate in dollars how much severance you're owed and how, what the difference is between what you've been offered and what you should have been offered. Mm-hmm. It's a great tool. Uh, it's free. It's severancepaycalculator.com. You can download the app also on iPhone, iPad, and Android. Uh, and it's, it takes 30 seconds. It gives you valuable information. Without it, you may actually accept the severance package. that's tens of thousands of dollars less than what it needs to be. So go to severancepaycalculator.com right now and check it out. Not only the, the amount of weeks, but also the dollar amount you're going to be, which is an eye-opener, right? It is, it is an eye-opener. When you see, wait a second, are you telling me that my severance offer is $28,000 less than what it should be? Incredible. Yeah. We'll take, uh, I guess, the last call for the day uh, before we wrap it up. Sean and Mississauga, I've got a question for Lior. Go ahead. Hi, Leon. Um, I'm incorporated, and um, I had a contract when I first started with them, and it's been since revised. But that company that I have a contract with has now uh, changed corporations. One of the partners left, and so he's got another uh, person in on it. But they still work under the same trade name. Yep. Right. Uh, and the new contract that I uh, put together kind of is um, cyclical. So at a certain point, they have to say whether they're going to keep me on for another year. And if they don't, well, then they have to keep me on. Okay. Right? So but so now that date is long gone. It was back in March, the end of March. <clears throat> and they now want to meet with me on Tuesday. They've actually met with me already once to say that they want to package me out. Yep. Right? Um, and I guess the question I have is, is I guess it's twofold. One is, is the contract still valid? Second is, because I can't collect EI, does that get in consideration, or is it, or am I strictly a contract worker? Because they're the only people I work for. So first of all, with respect to EI, no, whether you get EI or not is not a consideration as it relates to severance. But if you really are an employee in the eyes of the law, you may actually be able to qualify for EI. There may be some, some back payment that needs to be paid to EI by the you and the employer. 
I'll leave it to you if you want to address it, but you could potentially qualify for EI. But whether you do or you're not, it's not going to impact the amount of compensation, the amount of severance that they have to pay you. In your situation, the the question, first of all, is are you in the eyes of the law an employee or an independent contractor? Now, I don't have all the information right now to assess it, but let's assume that you meet the test of an employee despite what you call yourself and the fact that you have an incorporated company, which really is not an issue, uh, that you're an employee. Therefore, the, the full length of your employment, the full length of your service with this company, even before it changed its name, factors into deciding how much compensation you're owed. Uh, and, and whether, regardless of really what the contract says, what the, the, the contract that you alluded to uh, from, from March or the one that expired in March says, it's not really going to change the fact that you're owed severance because that contract that you refer to is a contract for an independent contractor. If you're really an employee, then that contract is not probably worth the paper it's written on, certainly not in terms of calculating your severance. So okay. this, this could be more complicated and probably more time than we have right now because we're at the end of the show. So, Sean, what I propose is give me a call. I'd like to actually find out a bit more information from you. I'd like to see a copy of the contract and understand exactly uh, what's transpired. And I'll, I'll, on that basis, I'll be able to give you a really good indication of how much compensation you're owed uh, and how it's calculated. Perfect. Sean, the number is 416-216-5900. That'll wrap it for another show right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. You want to get a hold of Lior outside of show hours, that number is valid as well. Lior at employmenthour.com.